This is the Love Truth Leadership Podcast. Your hosts, Larry Chatterley and Nick Johnson, welcome you on your journey of self-improvement and connection. Listen as they combine their different experiences of life to help you learn leadership is not just a title, but the profound expression of the love and truth you bring into the world. I'm Larry. Welcome to the LTL show, everyone. Today, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of something that's a little close to heart, and it's uh, not living in your trauma. Uh, But before we get started, I wanted to go over a few things that we talked about in the last episode. First, I mentioned a bunch of support groups that I I would get you guys a list of support groups that you can reference and go to to find an accountability partner. The first one I would like to mention is the Miracle Morning Group uh, on Facebook. They also have an app that you can download that where you can find an accountability partner through the app as well. But their Facebook group, you can go in there and find an accountability partner. And that is all the Facebook group is for, is finding an accountability partner. And now their accountability partners are a little bit more geared to doing what we call savers, which we'll touch on the next episode. We'll talk about the savers in the next episode. But another another great resource to find accountability partners and, and because what we're basically addressing here is mental health and, and mental stability and all that kind of stuff. So Mental Health America. I found, uh, I was Googling last night, actually, Larry, and I found that Mental Health America has a list that is just pages long of, of accountability partner, or not accountability partners per se, but groups that you could join to from, and they, it covers everything it, uh, from addiction, alcoholism, depression, mental health issues, to traumatic events, uh, suicide attempts and thoughts, you know, that kind of stuff. And additionally, we want to iterate right now. If you're, if you're in that state of feeling suicidal, get help right now. Like that's, that's something that, that needs to happen. Uh, I don't have the, the hotline number. I wish I did, but it's probably something I should have wrote down, but you, Google is a great resource, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, I use Google quite a bit, um, as we all, I imagine we all do. Uh, additionally, you can Google support groups. I Googled support groups and found like 30 pages that are just listed out for support groups. And they're all, 90% of them are free. Uh, a lot of them, you know, are nonprofits, so you might have to, you know, pay your five bucks or whatever whenever you go in. But in in those support groups, you'll find somebody who is going through maybe the same thing you are. Uh, so it's something that you can, you guys can connect on and then hold each other accountable in that support group. Additionally, I'd mentioned in the episode, find somebody you look up to, uh, who, who's a leader in your community, who 
you know, hopefully has enough time to support you. Like, you know, I got lucky with Larry <laughs> and I want to extend my gratitude to you today, Larry. I want to thank you for, uh, for helping me through, through all this. I really feel like everybody needs a Larry in their life. So go find somebody to hold you accountable and just to talk about stuff with. Uh, from there, uh, I also found another uh, website that I really enjoyed. It was findhelp.org. And again, another great resource to use. Just <clears throat> hop onto your phone. <laughs> You know, pause the episode right now, hop onto your phone and, and Google support groups, search through them and find one that you feel like you might connect with, or you might be able to relate your issue with. Uh, I have a niece who I'm so proud of. She, she recently joined AA and it's because she saw she, she doesn't have an alcohol problem but she saw that she could develop one. And so she went into AA and that was huge for her to, to recognize that and to be able to say, okay, I might have this issue in my future. Let me tackle it now. And that's, that's a man that made me proud of her. Additionally, if you're really struggling finding a, a support group or an accountability partner, you can contact us through email and we will provide our support as best as possible. Our email is love truth, leadership podcast at Gmail. Larry didn't even know I set that up. <laughs> so, uh, very good. Yeah, we, we have that. We, I may contact you. <laughs> yeah, you can anytime, Larry, anytime, uh, email us for sure. I, I, I check it every day. We're here to talk to you. If there's something that's above something that I can tackle, I'll pass your email, I'll pass your email on to Larry and let him respond to you and, and give you some guidance. Uh, but we're here for you for sure. We're here to we're here to help you get get through your stuff and and connect you with people and your you know in your community and give you the guidance that you need. Uh, from there, I'm going to talk about some books that I really think that. Well, I know they've helped me immensely. I listen to them constantly on Audible. I'm, I'm, I do what I call active listening at home. I'll, I'll pick a chapter of the book that really stuck out to me whenever I was working and listening. And then I'll listen to that chapter and I'll take notes on it. I'll write down what they're saying as they're saying it. That way it's, you know, getting reiterated with me a little bit more. And and I'm putting their words to writing. So it, it absorbs into my subconscious a little bit better. And it's something that I can <clears throat> memorize more and it, and it breeds into how I act throughout the day. Can I make a note here? Now? Yeah. 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 And libraries, like all your public libraries have an app and some people don't have the resources to buy these books. Audible. Yeah, that's very true. And you can listen to all the, most of these books just for free. Just buy through the library. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even know that that existed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Another great resource is your library. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to check them out. Just go to your library and read them. Yeah. You, you know? can read them or you do Audible. But I'm saying a lot of people commute these days. Yeah. And instead of listening to the typical news, which is usually negative, 
Let's or just, scroll on your, you know, your Facebook, Facebook, feed whatever, or just, your Instagram yeah. feed. Get, just listen to a positive thing, or if you work or you break, you know, you can download those Audible books from the library. Yeah. Or and or right, you can read like you say, and it, it sets the tone better for the day. Oh yeah, definitely. I I, I notice my attitude whenever I'm not listening to a self improvement book at work. I have a, I kind of have an attitude where I'm like, I want to have that, that self-improvement book on, on, you know, the, the guys are like, let's listen to music. I'm like, man, really? Like, no, <laughs> I don't want to listen to music. I want to listen to something that's going to improve me. So a few of the books that I really enjoyed, uh, read, study these books. The number one key I find with this stuff is repetition don't do it once do it do it over and over again until you until, until you really put this book into your thought process until you you're seeing a situation throughout the day that you're having and then you're like okay this is how this book taught me to handle it so really really study these books the first one is science of getting rich by wallace d waddles it's a very short read i think on audible it's a it's a two hour book on audible. It's, it's cut to the point. It is direct. It, it tells you the mental state that you need to be in to be a successful person. If uh, chapter seven is my favorite, it focuses on gratitude. Chapter four is also really good. And uh, I really enjoy chapter 11 as well. Uh, Think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. That book is, one of the best the classic it was like 20 years that it took him to write this book and he was oh why am i pulling a blank i know his name anyways he was ta he was a uh, a writer for a magazine and he was tasked by the magazine to go and talk to a bunch of rich people and and to just talk about their lives and Man, why can't I remember the one that told him to uh, to do the to do this as a as a Schwab? I think it was. I, yeah, I think it was. It's been a long time. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Charles Schwab. That no, it wasn't Charles Schwab. It was um, somebody else. Anyways, I'll fix. I'll I'll let you guys know who that is in the next episode, but. He follows all these successful people and 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 just basically, you know, learns what they do day in and day out, life to life, and 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 puts it in a book for you. And there's all these key traits that all of these people at that time did, and, and to be successful and to be rich and to to be a leader and to be as smart as Edison, you know, because that's one of the people that he he spent time learning from. Just really, really puts all that kind of stuff into to the, a great book. And it was written, what? 60, 70 years ago? Yeah. I, mean, I think it's over 100 years ago. It was, yeah. It was it, right <laughs> after the Great Depression. The Power of Awareness by Navelle Goddard. And Goddard is one of the people that all of your self-help coaches today have all read Goddard. Even the self-help coaches from back in the 30s, they were all studying Goddard. Uh, the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. 
That's uh, current. That's actually was released in 2016, and he had suffered. Not only did he suffer a severe accident that caused him a severe brain injury, where he, you know, had a severe short-term memory loss. He also went financially upside down and was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt with no job, and then wanted to figure out how he can change his life. And he figured out the miracle morning. And that's something that, Larry, I have to be honest, I still I still struggle with my miracle morning. Just so you know, I, wrote, I report to Larry every day and let him know that I did my savers, but I, I haven't got into exercising yet. And, and I really, I can def, I see the benefits and I, I try, I, I just need to. In my, as far as it goes with, with my fullness that I need to get into, and I know it can only, it only needs to be 10 minutes, right? But I need to be a little bit more disciplined in that aspect. Hey, at least you're trying. Yeah, I, I will, I am trying. And that's, again, like we've said, 1%, you know, so I'm doing, I'm doing my 1% and I, I, I'm going to breed into that exercise. 12 rules for life by Jordan Peterson and uh, Norman, and I can't pronounce it, spell it, pronounce this for me, Larry, D-O-I-D-G-E, Deutsch. Deutsch? Yeah, Norman Deutsch, and he's a doctor. Uh, I'm sure everyone has heard of Jordan Peterson, and uh, he's a great man. He's got a lot of uh, smart stuff to say, but the 12 Rules for Life, if you, if you really listen to that book, it's, it's, it can help you just be generally a great person, whether you want to strive for wealth or not. One of my favorites is Unfuck Yourself by Gary John Bishop. That's, it's, uh, he's another, uh, one of the most successful self-help coaches there is. That book really, really is awesome. That was one of the first ones that I listened to. One of the first self-help books. I actually, I need to, I'm going to go back and, <clears throat> I have morning voice going on, excuse me. Go back and listen to it. And then High Performance Habits by Brendan Butchard. That's another really great book. And again, Brendan goes and he went and studied. Up, he, he did a survey and he's, you know, with, I think it was a thousand people he surveyed. And it might have been more, but he, regardless, he surveyed all these people and found the ones that had more of a, or a bit more successful in life and all this stuff. And then, and then put together what they do again as a, as a life routine, brought that into his book. And you could really learn a lot from, from reading those books. And then uh, I wanted to talk about the quote real quick from the the book of the the science of getting rich that I that I mentioned, and it's uh, the entire process of mental adjustment and atonement can be summed up in one word, and that word is gratitude. I want to talk about the word atonement in that sentence. Atonement means to put to lay to rest, to bury. So whenever you're practicing gratitude. You're laying to rest your negativity. You're laying to rest the the thoughts that can overwrite 
your grateful attitude and and put in put you into that negative mindset that that a lot of people carry out. So if you want to put away your negative mindset, practice that word gratitude. That's a awesome awesome deal. Let me ask you, Nick. What yeah. Are, what are good ways to practice to develop an attitude of gratitude? Uh, <laughs> you pay it forward. That's good. Yeah, journaling, and that's that's the two I practice: uh, journaling it and paying it forward. Maybe even meditation. Oh yeah, meditation. And and actually, before I before you came in this morning, I uh, was meditating. I did I did a different meditation. Is a little bit more on uh, creativity. Um, so I didn't I didn't fo- meditate on gratitude today, but meditating on just meditation period it's very helpful very helpful but if you just meditate and while you're meditating just focus on what you're grateful for and concentrate on your breathing and you know every breath out just say i'm i'm grateful for this you know that's a big deal i really enjoy uh, i'm going to give you guys a the balance app the first year is free. The Balance app is awesome. It, I, I downloaded it and I was surprised. And it's like, okay, you get your first year free. From there, it's $75 a year, which I once my year is up, I'm definitely going to resubscribe. I'm, I do it every morning and there's this thing that's called Foundations. And it, it basically teaches you all the different foundations of meditation. I am on level three right now. I have got 15 hours of meditation in and that's doing it five minutes a morning and level three gets you into 15 minutes. But I mean, that's whenever you look at that, like, oh, wow, I've meditated for 15 hours altogether in two and a half months. That is, that's pretty awesome. You know, Nick, that reminds me, if I can share a short story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did we talk about sharpening the saw in any episode? No. So, this story comes from uh, Stephen R. Covey's book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Very excellent book. He wrote that about 30, 40 years ago. He's since passed away. But uh, in the book, he talks about two men who have uh, same strength, they have the same saw. This is before power saws and all that. <clears throat> and they're, they're sawing away lumber every day. And there's one guy, he saws all day long, barely takes a break, puts in his eight hours, and he has so much yield, you know, he saw this lumber. The other guy, he, uh, uh, the same saw, and they both had the same strength, and then he saw twice as much lumber than the other guy. But he took a whole hour break for um, for lunch and took 10-minute breaks during the day, every hour. But he saw twice as much lumber. And you think, well, how's that the case? Well, every hour he, he had 10 minutes off, he would sharpen his saw. Yeah, okay, so that's... Okay. So I see meditation, whether it's 5 or 10 minutes, whether it's journaling, it's sharpening your saw. What it does is it increases your effectiveness. Yeah. As well as your efficiency and how to deal with your other things through life. Yeah, 100%. And if yeah. we just spend a few minutes sharpening our saw every morning, 
how much better life would be at work, at home, and helping other people. And, yeah. and journaling is part of that process. Meditation, cultivating gratitude is all part of that sharpening the saw. Yeah. And another thing that can also probably really increase your gratitude is volunteering. Yes. You know, that's... Same thing. It makes you feel more appreciative of what you have. When exactly. You have paying it forward. I mean, I think there's three crucial elements to live a, a rewarding life. And, and what I would even define a successful life. Not necessarily by money, but by how you feel. Yeah. So... I think people get this connotation. When they see people successful, it's more than just about what they materially gain. Yeah, because you can have money and, and still, still, be, be, still miserable. be miserable. miserable. So yeah. I think all our listeners need to understand, when we talk about successful people, we're not talking about the guy that's you know driving a... Uh, well, and the beautiful thing about it is, the more successful you are mentally, right, the money's going to come. You know, you're going to be... You're, the, the good job's going to want to have you, right? You it's know, your mental state of mind. Because of your mental state of mind, you're going to be able to perform better at that good job because of your mental state of mind rather than taking your daily stuff into work and not knowing how to handle it and not being able to put, put a line there. And, and well, I guess it, it doesn't need to be defined as a line, but basically say, okay, well, I have this little thing going on in my life it's going to ruin my whole day and I'm going to be a poor employee at work now, you know, or I'm going to carry an attitude throughout my whole day at work. And, and so whenever you get to this state and you have that, that gratitude and you have the, the ability to take on your life struggles healthier, you're going to be a more productive in life overall, which will, eventually and if that's your goal that will equate to having more money you know if, if that's what you want to have and then you're going to be able to look at things and be like okay what can i do to provide service to people and and it's like bob proctor i love this saying that he has and he's like you go to work for satisfaction you provide service to make money you know, so, and I, I don't know why I like that so much, you know, but it's like, what, how can you serve people? And that's what's going to make you rich, you know, rather than how can you, oh, I'm just going to go to work. No, you go to work to get your satisfaction. You know, you go to work because it's like, it's what you like to do, you know, or something like that. And granted, I, I understand the state of today where, you have to go to work to make money. Maybe you go to work to make your money and then you can come home at night and figure out what service I can provide for people, whether it be like what Larry and I are doing here with a podcast or it's you, you're really good at woodworking. So whenever you go home, you're making stuff for people that they want to buy. And it's a, that's a service you're providing. But it's not the fact that I mean, even going to working at McDonald's, that's still a service you're providing. So work and service, there's a, there's a definite line where they're divided. And if you're not happy in your service, that's work, basically, is what it boils down to, I think. All right. From there, we're going to get into our subject for today.
and that's going to be uh, being from trauma. Um, now, I'm going to get a little bit emotional because what, what year? We're in 23. In 2014, I was dating a girl and uh, we broke up, but she called me four months later and she said that she was pregnant. So we take a DNA test. It was one of the, you know, ones where they draw her blood and they take my cheek swab and, and it came back positive that I was the dad. We struggled through the pregnancy together. We were not a match at all. It was very volatile. Uh, we struggled through the pregnancy together. I tried to, nobody's at fault for how this thing ended, right? That's something I come to realize because we were just not, we were looking at, looking at each other as objects and not people. And so that being said, the mother and I did not get along. I tried to, we both tried to, to make it to where we did get along, but we were just trying in the, in the wrong ways, basically, and being stubborn and, and not willing to flex on what we wanted and this and that. So, shoot, uh, I think it was about month five of her pregnancy, she ended up moving back to, to Minnesota, and I continued to try to support her, you know, send her money to help her get you know, baby stuff and get her on the way with everything. I went to the baby shower. Um, you know, I, fl I flew to Minnesota to go to the baby shower and I was, I was involved as much as I can be being me being in Colorado and her in Minnesota. And then it came the month where the child was due. I flew out for the whole month of October. My daughter was born October 14th. Wait, my, no, excuse me, October 10th of 2014. <clears throat> and so uh, she wanted me to move to Minnesota. And for the life of me, I couldn't, I couldn't live in that state. Um, I don't know why. I should have flexed on that, but that's something I'm glad I didn't do. But... No, years go on. I we didn't go to court. I, I paid child support, um, which I probably at that point in time and reflecting on it, I probably should have paid her more than what I was paying. I was giving her six hundred bucks a month. I probably should have been giving her nine. Now that I think about it, you know, kids are expensive. August of twenty eighteen, I got a phone call, and it, granted, we were always at each other's throats. Me and her mom, my, my daughter's mom, were always at each other's throats. Got a phone call, and uh, she's like, Nick, are you sitting down? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm at work. Why would I be sitting down? She's like, well, you need to go sit down. And I was like, no, I just, what What do you have to tell me? You know, just spit it out. Like, And uh, she's like, well, Olive's not yours. You know, your daughter's not yours. And... Uh, It still hurts this day, right? But it's something that uh, was traumatic for me, like beyond belief. And I still have some things there that, you know, I hold on to a little bit, right? Um, 
it's hard not to. You lose something that you love with all your heart and still do. Go ahead. Clarify it for our audience. Are you saying it's not your daughter? Was it you're saying the DNA test was not she had, valid? Yeah, she took another. She had um, another man, and uh, they ended up getting back together. And she uh, had him take a DNA test, and it came back that he was the dad. Yeah. So does that means the first test was not done the, right? The, yeah, the first test was faulty oh. or. Something was wrong. Something was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not gonna. Like I said, I'm. It's it's done and gone. And and this is where gratitude comes in a little bit because now you guys know. I had a daughter. I still have, she in my heart. She's still my daughter, but she's not mine anymore. And because of the validity between me and her mom, I chose to walk away, and I. I, I, it was better for the scenario as a whole that I'm not in her life. She was only four when she, when she lost me. I don't want to give her confusion, you know, and, and have her like, who is this guy who keeps popping up and this and that. And her dad's in her life right now. And this is where, where gratitude comes into this and, and me being able to accept the fact like, okay, so I don't have a daughter, but she gets to live closer to her dad, her real dad, biological dad. Yeah. Um, she gets to have hopefully more of a stable, non toxic relationship with her, with her father. You know, because the way that her mom and I acted towards each other was completely not right for her to see at all, you know, to see how two people acted together. And I wish that I could be, I wish I knew now what I knew then, you know, because I would approach this scenario completely differently. At the same time, I'm grateful that she gets to be with her dad. And I'm happy for her that her life is maybe fuller and, and more more enjoyable. And she gets to be close to her dad because he lives in Minnesota. As I said earlier, <laughs> I'm grateful I didn't move to Minnesota because I'd be stuck in Minnesota right now or I probably would have moved back. But I would have been in Minnesota to get told that my daughter's not mine. You know, so I'm looking at it as... And this is where this is where our subject comes in today and how I'm glad that I'm not holding on to this and it's not dictating my life. Where I'm sad thinking about it, right? I'm sad talking about it. But I don't let this very traumatic experience dictate who I am as a person. I don't let it rule over my relationships that I have with people. There's still some small part of me that has a trust issue, but I, I don't look at people through that looking glass. I don't look at my prospective partners or people that I try to bring into my life through this looking glass of like, Oh, you're just going to be another girl that gets pregnant and sleep with another guy at the same time. It's not, it's not going to dictate who I'm, who I am as a person. And that's, and that's what I want to, where our traumas that we have as people, which every day, and I, 
I hope our audience understands I have a very strong one. But it's something that I don't relive or make or let define me as a person. And um, So it's something that our traumas don't define us. At least we hope not. At least we hope not. But that does for a lot of people, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and where we want to help you understand that living in that, that state of having your trauma give you labels. I'm a trauma. You, yeah, you're a trauma survivor, but it's not who you are. That is not who is going to dictate who you, who you can be. And if you live in the, in the state of my trauma dictates who I am, life is going to be tough because you're, you're going to be closed off to opportunities, to, to situations that you could have with other people. You're going to look at things always as, well, you do this, so it activates this trauma in me. That kind of, that kind of outlook. And that's something that I feel like everyone who is a trauma survivor, we need those, those groups I listed earlier in the, in the episode. We need to get you into those groups get into that, those, those groups and, and help, you know, find help for, for what you've gone through and learn how to not let your trauma define who you are. I'm lucky enough to where before I knew it, you know, before I really knew gratitude and started practicing it immensely, I was practicing gratitude then whenever I lost Olive. Granted, there was months where I was just, shoot. Depressed. Oh yeah, depressed and not happy and and crying every day and you know all that stuff and um, I started looking at it as like it's not what I lost is what did she gain? What did Olive gain? What did my daughter gain? And 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 that made me grateful. It's a good way to look at it in, because and that really helped me get over it too. Uh, it it's and it, it allowed me time to take a break and really discover who I am. I mean, right now, what that happened in 2018, shoot, five years, five years down the road, right or so. It really, really helped me figure out my life. I did take a big break away from people from dating and all that kind of stuff really to, you know, to discover who I am and I'm still discovering and, but I'm not letting this traumatic experience dictate my relationships with people. And that, and I really feel like that's something that our audience needs to understand. I mean, what do you think, Larry? Like how how you view stuff. I mean, if you, I think you hit the nail on the head as they say with the gratitude I think that changes the mindset yeah. to the point where any traumatic event we can turn that traumatic event into a blessing if we view it differently and about ourselves yeah you know we can grow from that yeah and be a better person yeah or we can allow that thing to drag us down and continually live in depression and Victimhood, is that the right word? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and if you are in that victim mentality, it's very, it's difficult to proceed forward in life. Yeah. Yeah. 
and maybe we'll talk this in another episode. There's a great book called Man's Search for Me uh-huh. by Viktor Frankl, and he was uh, in Auschwitz uh, prison camp. And if you know much about the prison camps in Germany during World War II, that was one of the worst. Yeah. And that particular book has helped millions of people about how to overcome traumatic events in their life and move forward. Okay. And that's probably one of the most traumatic events I'd ever read about what happened to the people. I just can't believe these things would happen uh, in the prison camp. And he was a psychologist, and he it's a pretty impactful, it's not a very long book, very impactful, but maybe another episode we'll talk about it. But okay. It's talk about how he got over his trauma, and he lost his parents, and his wife, and uh, maybe some other relatives. And... Uh, and how he got through it. And then also talk, he talks about how he helped thousands of people get through the same trauma in their life. So yeah. and his book's been out about maybe as long as that other book, Think and Grow Rich. I okay. I'm going to listen to that book next week. <laughs> so. it's, a, it's a great book. Yeah. It's kind of tough to go through part of the chapters because he talks some about the atrocities that happened. Yeah. And you just can't believe a human being would do that to another human being. Yeah, it's I mean, like, I the, some of the stuff blown. that they still human beings still do to each other is astounding. That's tough to get through, but I think yeah. it's tough as it is. It creates context and what he had to do to get through it. Yeah. So even though it was very traumatic, and when you read it, uh, you go, "Wow!" What? And there's some pretty key things in that book that he discovered. And we can talk about that, but everybody's going to go through some traumatic in life. And, oh yeah. And how we handle it. It will determine how we deal with other things in the future. But unfortunately, many people ruminate over stuff. They go over and over and over. Over and over. And that's and, rumination. Is- and rumination. And we haven't talked about There's the five stages of uh, what we do in life when we have a traumatic event. Uh-huh. Have we talked about this? I don't know if we have. You and I have in our in our private sessions. Yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. Go ahead. Is this a good time to talk about oh, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So usually when something traumatic, the first thing that happens is you can't believe this is happening. It's just disbelief. This, yeah. this is this is not real. This is what this and so and then the second thing it kicks in is anger. You go, wow, I just can't believe this is happening. So there's this tremendous amount of anger. And then the third stage is uh, is bargaining. What if? Well, what if I did this? What if I did this? Well, you're trying to figure out how to change something that's already happened. Yeah, and you can't change it. You can change the way you view it. Yeah. That's the thing you can change, but you can't change with the circumstances. So you're in the bargaining stage. Yeah. What if? What do this and this? And sometimes while you're in the bargaining stage, you'll go back to anger and you'll go back to disbelief. You'll actually fluctuate between those three. Yeah. And then when bargaining doesn't work, you're going to go to the fourth stage is depression. You go, oh my God, none of this is working. You know? Yeah. As much as you've gone through bargaining and... uh, Anger and disbelief. So then you got to, oh man, I just got to figure out. And then the fifth stage is acceptance. Yeah. Now, you can get to acceptance in a couple hours, a day. Some people, it's years before they finally accept themselves and say, you know what? What can I do to move on? What can I learn from this? Yeah, that was that was me in my in my experience. You went through those five stages, I'll bet, right? Yeah, and acceptance, (laughs) I think it was... It was about a year. Yeah, it takes a while before I accepted the fact that, like, okay, I'm not angry at her mom anymore. I'm not, you know, I'm just not going to let this dictate who I am. I actually, another thing is forgiveness. Yeah, really, forgiving yourself and forgiving her. Yeah, yeah, 
Letting go. That's it. That's a key part. Would be another good episode is unforgiveness because that's part of the healing part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, one thing that really helped me was what did I learn from this? It taught me who I want to be as a dad. You know, I don't want to have that relationship with a, with a woman and have children together and be that person who I was towards her mom at all. That it makes me sick to my stomach how I acted sometimes, just like a like a baby who wasn't getting what he wanted, you know, and just throwing a temper tantrum all the time and just being absolutely mean. It kind of reminds me of a quote I heard that said, uh, "Unconditional love for your spouse is better than a hundred books on parenting." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of truth there because yeah. then the kids feel that. Yeah. So if there's unconditional love between the spouses. Yeah. That has so much impact on the attitude and beliefs and self-esteem of the children. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why it's also, you know, from my experience, it's also something, choose your partners wisely. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, we all live and learn, right? We all have that, that, the want for uh, pleasure and stuff like that too. So it's one of those things where, don't let your want for pleasure dictate who you date. <laughs> also, something I learned. Um, as you know, recently, I still have a hard time learning that, right, Larry? But anyways, one of those things where I can see people, you know, have such a traumatic experience that it's hard to find something to be grateful for about what, that, what happened to them. I mean, I really have to think on this, but... How can someone, you know, maybe let's say a kid from like child abuse, you know, how can they find gratitude? You know, that's, I mean, that's got to be something tough to be, maybe be grateful you're alive and you, you, I, I would say the first thing is like, be grateful you survived your traumatic experience. If you can just focus on being grateful for surviving it and being grateful for, the fact that you're not going to let it dictate who you are from there, you can find other things to be grateful about what happened. You mentioned you, you had a niece went to alcohol anonymous. I think one of the things that they found that really helped the people is they asked the participants to help other people who are struggling. Yeah. And back to the pay it forward. We talked about that for, I don't know what it is, but for years, I know that when I was struggling with certain issues in life, if I would just go out and f- help someone and not expect anything in return, mm-hmm. just help, that somehow it got me to think things differently, and it was very therapeutic. The service was therapeutic through the trials I was getting, and then it got so maybe my trials are not as bad as I thought they were. Yeah. And so it put things better in perspective, and that, that service and helping others also brings to light the gratitude. Yeah. And another way is... <clears throat> Comparison. Oh yeah, boy, that's that's comparison is the thief of happiness, in my opinion. Well, I, at the same time, I, I really feel like if you if you're like, okay, well, I had this thing happen to me, but there's got to be somebody out there who had it worse, maybe. Yeah, that can that can help you escape that hole, and then you can be like, okay, I'm grateful that I didn't have it this bad. Oh, that, but that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I went through this traumatic experience, but what do I have in comparison to what 
somebody living in Africa has. And then you can start being grateful for the life that you currently have and then start breeding a little bit more. And then, and then as you, you guys hear us saying this word gratitude over and over and over again. And I feel like that's just such a strong, you know, thing to, to start everything from. I think, if, you know, the listeners should Google it. There's a lot of good stuff that's been written about it, podcasts, videos. which <clears throat> can shed more light yeah. on how that can truly impact your life. You know, I was talking to a person the other day. I says, you know, years ago, I was trying to figure out what is the empowering difference in life. I've asked people off and on, and there's different things. But gratitude seems to be one of the strongest empowering differences that can make a difference. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. So, yeah. Whenever I, like like I said, whenever I first got over my trauma, um, it was it was because of gratitude. And then, so that's the takeaway today. Yeah, that's the takeaway. So there's probably what you're saying, Nick. There's three things that people could do that can make a difference. Yeah, cultivating gratitude by by journaling it, studying it, thinking about it, and yeah. meditating. Right. Yeah. Number two is to journal. Correct. Yeah. Journal about your thoughts. What went well for the day? What inspired you? What did you say? Do help someone else? And third is to pay it forward. Yeah. And do, do service. So those are the three takeaways that can help person get past difficult times in their past. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this episode up. And I really hope you guys learned a lot today. Again, if you have any questions or anything, you got our email. Lovetruthleadership.podcast at gmail. We're here to answer them. Or I, I am, and then, like I said, if Larry, if it's if the problem's too big, I'll pass it to Larry. <laughs> but I like to think there's no problem too big for me to tackle. And uh, you got a great list of of groups to go to and get those books. Check those books out. What was that one that you added uh, later on, Larry? Man's Search for Me. Man's Search for Me. By Meaning. Victor Frankel. Yeah, that's that's one I'm gonna I'm gonna study next week. And then search for that accountability partner. And remember, your trauma doesn't doesn't define who you are. You always have the capability to to live past your trauma and use it as as a weapon to be a better person. For sure. Well, anyways, I'm Nick. I'm Larry. This is the LTL Show. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Love Truth Leadership Podcast, where leadership is not just a title, but the profound expression of the love and truth we bring into the world. Before I tell you about next week's episode, I'd like to mention the suicide hotline number, 988. If you have feelings of suicide or know someone who does, get help immediately. Again, the number is 988. What to expect next week? Larry and I are excited to announce our first guest. He's a coach, triathlete, and just a general badass, Sam Piccolotti. Together we will be discussing discipline and how to build and maintain discipline in your life. Again, thank you for listening. Larry and I greatly appreciate you.